Long hours, small teams, uninspiring content. Marketing for a startup is hard work, but it doesn't have to be. HubSpot for startups can help you grow your business without growing your stress. Their all-in-one platform connects your sales, marketing, and support all together so you can increase leads, fast-track deals, smooth out support, and join a platform that more than 190,000 top brands trust. Plus, they have a constantly evolving collection of resources to help startups scale. HubSpot also offers discounts for startups on their top-rated customer platform, and not the kind of discounts that barely make a dent. I'm talking about meaningful savings of up to 90%. So if you're ready to crush your marketing, look no further than HubSpot for startups. To see how much you can save, visit HubSpot.com startups. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. But I think we sold out by the next morning. Like it just, there's a huge buzz. And all different Discord channels of other projects were like, oh, yeah, you got to jump in. They just dropped the price. And then all the stuff on Twitter. And I just got goosebumps then because it's seeing that change and then seeing the kind of community that's come out of it is, is amazing. Welcome to Creative Elements, a show where we talk to your favorite creators and learn what it takes to make a living from your art and creativity. I'm your host, Jay Klaus. Let's start the show. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to another episode of Creative Elements. I did something this week that I've only done twice now in the history of this show, and that's fast-tracking an episode to go from interview to publishing in less than a week. The interview you're about to hear was recorded the evening of Wednesday, September 22nd, and I moved this episode along quickly because we're going into some more new territory today, venturing into the world of NFT artwork, and that's a world that moves really fast. We first heard about NFTs on this show back in episode 50 with Nick Denboer, aka Smearballs, which published on March 30th, 2021. Now I've just completely stopped. I canceled three jobs last week because I just want to focus on this this crypto art NFT stuff full time because there's some potential there to make more money than doing commercial work. When Nick said that, my ears perked up a little. It wasn't my first time hearing about NFTs, but I did sense a bit of momentum in the space then in March. Now, I know all this may be new to a lot of people, so I'm going to try and explain a lot of the lingo as we go. So let's start from the top. NFT is an acronym that means non-fungible token. Non-fungible tokens or NFTs are assets on a blockchain with unique identification codes and metadata that distinguish them from one another. The key word here is unique. That's what makes them non-fungible. Cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin or Ethereum are fungible because they are all the same. One Bitcoin is exactly the same as another Bitcoin. That's what makes them a good medium for transactions. The same goes with any currency like the US dollar. The nature of a non-fungible token or NFT is that because it is unique, it is inherently scarce. And scarcity creates value. The Mona Lisa is a unique piece of art, and so it's super valuable. Artists and creators have been making unique pieces of artwork which are tied to the blockchain, a decentralized record of the existence and ownership of each piece. And typically, it's the Ethereum blockchain. Ethereum is sometimes called ETH, that's E-T-H for short, and this year has fluctuated in value between $2,000 and $4,000 USD. As of this recording, one ETH is worth just over $3,000 US dollars. So I was interested in NFTs when I talked with Nick, but I didn't really jump in at that point. 
And then some crazy things started happening. I started seeing people all over Twitter change their avatars to pieces of digital art. Most frequently, I saw monkeys wearing clothes and pixelated human heads. Those projects were the Bored Ape Yacht Club and CryptoPunks. CryptoPunks were one of the first NFT projects ever made in mid-2017. 10,000 pieces with unique attributes, some attributes more rare than others. And as you can guess, pieces with rare attributes are in higher demand and more valuable than others. For example, there are a couple of CryptoPunks that are zombies and a couple that are aliens. Almost all of them are humans, but the zombies and the aliens, because there are fewer of them, they are worth more to the market. At one point, the creators of CryptoPunks gave them away for free, but this year, the average sale price was more than 42 Ethereum. That's over $128,000 USD. There have been sales worth more than $7 million for some of the more rare pieces, like the aliens. And then there's the Bored Apes of the Bored Ape Yacht Club. They were originally sold for 0.08 ETH. Today, the floor price, also known as the lowest available price for you to buy a Bored Ape, is around 39 ETH. I even saw a friend of mine purchase a clip art rock. There were only 100 of these called Ether Rocks. He bought it for 1.7 ETH and sold it for over 400 ETH just 19 days later. That's more than $1.3 million. So as you can guess, I've been paying more attention to the NFT space lately, collecting 19 or so pieces myself. Now I've thrown out a lot of big numbers here in terms of dollars, and a lot of people are in the space as a means of investing. But this episode is not investment advice. You should do your own research and make your own financial decisions based on your own circumstances. One of the projects I was interested in and actually purchased recently is called Bad Bunnies, which launched the public on September 18th. It's a set of illustrated green bunnies divided into three bunny gangs. There's this interesting juxtaposition of cute bunny, but also gang member. And today on the show is one of the creators known as Can Opener. My brother and I always kind of work on, you know, art projects and, and different things. And at the time, we were actually working on a comic. And all worked out, script all done, character design all done, ready to go on Kickstarter. And I just thought, look, this NFT stuff is way more interesting than this process that, that we do know. This is something new. Let's do it. So I, I called my brother and I said, what do you think about just shifting gears and doing this. And he said, let's do it. The Bad Bunnies project had 5,500 pieces and sold out in less than 48 hours. I have six of them myself, and the project was all over the Discord and Twitter circles that I'm a part of. People love the artwork. And at a sale price of 0.0275 ETH, that's 151 ETH total to the creators, which is around $450,000 USD. Here's the great thing about NFTs for the creators, though. Because every sale is tracked and publicly logged on the blockchain, you can build into the project royalties to the creator on every subsequent sale. So not only did Bad Bunnies earn money from their successful launch, but they earn a 2.5% royalty on every sale between owners. That's all managed and executed programmatically through the blockchain. Some NFTs factor in as high as a 10% royalty. Those secondary market sales between owners typically are done on a platform called OpenSea. And with more than 600 ETH worth of secondary sales on OpenSea for Bad Bunnies so far, that's another 15 ETH to the Bad Bunnies team. That team includes CanOpener, his brother Poopley, and their friend B-Dub. CanOpener got into the space a little bit before I did, and he was inspired by one of the most popular NFT projects today, Cool Cats a collection of 9,999 randomly generated and stylistically curated blue cats with a current floor price of nearly 10 ETH. Uh, you know, it would be absurd to say that Cool Cats wasn't a, a huge influence. And, and the way it was a huge influence is that I missed out on minting. Like I'd been involved, I think they sold out probably when I entered. So you could almost kind of go whenever Cool Cats sold out, that's when I got into NFTs. And I was just like, damn, <laughs> you know, <laughs> damn it. But I was, I was still there post, post mint, but it was this kind of thing in my head of, you know, you, you're like on OpenSea, you know, like a, a, a wall, a wall of NFTs that you want to own. 
and and the thought that there were people that had walls of cool cats that they owned. I just kind of went, look, if I'm feeling this, a ton of other people are feeling this. So I just kind of thought, look, there's a whole bunch of people that missed out on cool cats. We can open up this space, can we not? And the we only do stuff that we believe in and want to do. And there was an angle in the cutesiness of bunnies being subverted by being in gangs and wearing biohazard suits and samurais and, and whatever. And, and we, we immediately, that was the discussion and we just went, it's a no-brainer, cutesy aligned with that, done. And so, yeah, and then it just became this very tight schedule that uh, I pushed us all to. And um, coming up to the launch date that we set, we were ready for launch about half an hour before we launched. The Bad Bunny's timeline to launch is insane, and we'll talk all about it in the interview. But one of the most interesting parts of this whole space, in my opinion, is the way these teams are building community around special access, collaborations, and even game mechanics around these projects. Most projects have a community discord that identifies who owns a certain piece and gives them unique access to areas within the community. And they're creating roadmaps in real time for what they hope to accomplish with the project in the future, from physical locations to plans for the metaverse. And the Bad Bunnies team has a plan for a collaborative game too, including physical trading cards, which Can Opener says is an integral part of their success. So the game's coming, but we, we need to break it down, say this is where it's going. It's all there. Uh, we've just been, you know, I've never been run off my feet so much in, in my entire life. So there'll be a lot of people waiting for us to deliver this, and there's some really cool scenarios in there that are only possible in the NFT space. Uh, we want to start with physical cards because it's just so cool and why not and then being able to link that even a physical card game being able to link that to owning that actual nft and getting a boost for that card for owning it and and you know certainly uh, qr codes come into that and and all of this stuff it's it's a huge part and it's a huge part of why um, everyone has kind of come along to us as well so in this episode, we talk about the origins of Bad Bunnies, their sold-out launch, a step-by-step guide for how you can launch your own NFT, the role of hype in an NFT project, and why the Bad Bunnies team valued design over all else. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode as you listen. It's definitely new territory for us. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at jklaus. Just tag me, say hello, let me know that you're listening. And now, let's talk with Can Opener. We're an artistic family. My dad was an artist. My younger brother is a Poopley, the uh, artist on this project. And for one, you know, you can grow up with an eye, an eye for art, and you, you know what you're looking for. And often that's that trigger for emotion. So my dad was an artist. And when I was like, you know, six or seven, I would walk past his studio and the door would be open and you'd see him sitting there with a canvas. And the canvas had had nothing, nothing on it. And okay, then the next day you walk past and it's the level of interest of a seven-year-old, but you'd see a bit more paint there. But most of the time I didn't see him painting. I saw him sitting in a chair staring at the canvas, et cetera, et cetera. You walk past, you walk past, it, it develops and, and so on. And then the first time that I helped him unload at a gallery where he's having a show, the cardboard cover came off the big piece of artwork and I helped put it on the on the wall. I went, "Ah, oh, that's that one that he was doing." And when I stood there, I could kind of sense the time and the effort that he put into it and realize this is weird, right? This is this is probably at like 10 realizing that what I was looking at was him finding the emotion during that time. And that was a realization of good art. That's what art is. It's the thing that the artist is trying and finding to say and they don't know it but it's there it's the time the skill and the effort that gets it from inside their soul and spirit and consciousness as the time the skill and the effort that takes it out of there and puts it there for the rest of us to see it so i took all of that into product design where i was just kind of like you think you can put all of these bits and pieces in front of people and they will take it all in. 
but I know the limit of human you know, perception and understanding and consciousness, we dismiss 90% of what we see. So you have to drive and drive and drive until you find this emotional element that someone takes half a second to look at and they know exactly where you're coming from. That takes a lot of work, but it's the way you have to do it. And so when they came to Bad Bunnies, it was like you got half a second for someone to understand the value of what they just bought. And if they can't discern that, it's an issue. So every single one, and I believe it, every single one that's there, half a second, you know where that stands. And, and that's, that's how we took that idea of art, emotion uh, into this project. Um, and even though it, it can seem like a funny little project for people, it's like bunnies with helmets on, toaster steaks coming out of the toaster, whatever, all that is, is is a bunch of artists and developers having fun, but it's still the same basic concept of truth and, and emotion. Before we get deeper into the Bad Bunnies NFT project, I wanted to hear how Can Opener and the Bad Bunnies team got into NFTs in the first place. Much of the art world puts most of people at, at arm's length, right? Like it's, it's either impenetrable or they don't want you, or if you're an outsider, getting where you need to be is incredibly difficult. And with NFTs, I, I bought into just a quick, like fun little project. And I was went, oh, that was, you know, that was cool. And always from the basis of, I would put that on my wall. So it's, it's okay, yeah, the cost is the cost. But if whatever, whatever, I put that on my wall, I'm happy. So I did that, and then I came across uh, another project, uh, shout out to um, Liverboy, which is a, a series of 111 uh, pieces, and I saw them, and, and I, I don't think many had sold, and I just loved the look at them, and I bought 10, <laughs> and I went, I now have 10 things that I can put on my wall, and they've all increased from probably zero point. 0.3 ETH at the time, and they generally go between 0.5 and 1 ETH now, and, and I've got 10 of them. And I was like, well, this is fun. <laughs> Let's keep doing this. And that's pretty much it, you know? How long ago are we talking? Is this like a year? Was it like three months ago? Was it several years? It's like two and a half months ago. This space is, it's light speed. It's just unbelievable. So I think it's, so to give you an actual date, let's call it, June, sometime in June, because I looked at my OpenSea account and it said opened in June or, or something. Um, and I was like, okay, well, I guess it was June. So, you know, three months or whatever. So this is actually great because I'm looking around at the NFT space right now mm. and I've probably been into it for a month and a half, two months. Yep. And I see projects like Bad Bunnies and I'm like, I bet these guys have been working on this for a year. There's no way that I could get this spun up and start doing this type of thing right now. And you're saying you got into NFTs yourself like three or four months ago. So yeah, so, so basically I suppose the project started two months ago, which, you know, and you're right to say so because it was an insane schedule. I guess I'd been into NFTs for a month or Let's, let's, let's expand it so it doesn't sound ridiculous or something. Let's just say six weeks or something. And I just said, look, we can do this. So uh, I think by the afternoon, we had the first draft. No, we had the first sketch of the bunny. And it was, it's not that it was terrible. It's just that it was not right. And uh, a few days later, we had probably locked that down to a, a good outline and frame. And then all the discussions about, well, what are they and what are they going to wear and, and how do we, we do all of this stuff? Crazy. And did you set that aggressive launch date because you felt like there was a window that you really needed to hit for any particular reason? Or are you just like, you know what, sooner we get something out, the sooner we'll learn? Look, definitely a window. Because of the last, prior to that conversation, because of the last, say, month or, or six weeks being in NFTs, you can see how fast it moves. It's just, uh, it's just insane. And so it was more along the lines of don't do this if you can't do it at pace but well. Uh, so the, the thing is, is we're perfectionists. So you can see that in the art. It's just everything was put through the ringer in, in terms to just go, no, again, tweak, again, 
shrink it down to 90 pixels or whatever a, a Twitter avatar is, put it into Twitter, like see what it looks like, and then you know the discussion is, see that there? You can't tell what that is. Do it again times the hundreds of assets that we designed and, and, and made. <laughs> so it, it was this thing of I know that the, the, the two of us, which became, became three of us, obviously, which we'll get to, but um, I, I know the two of us can maintain the integrity of the design. We're just going to have to work a lot. After a quick break, Can Opener and I get into the specifics for launching an NFT project? And a little later, we talk about the roles that community, design, and hype play in a successful launch. So stick around, and we'll be right back. D2C Pod, hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas, is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. D2C Pod is a podcast about all things direct-to-consumer. Ramon and Blaine cover everything for starting, growing, and optimizing e-commerce stores and D2C brands. They talk with founders, marketers, and creators and cover topics like brand building, social media, influencer marketing, website conversion, paid media, consumer trends, email marketing, and more. So if you're interested in the stories behind your favorite consumer brands, listen to DTC Pod wherever you get your podcasts. If you work with clients and you want to grow your top line revenue without growing a big payroll at the same time, then consider attending the Solopreneur Summit a VIP event hosted by my friend, Ken Yarmish. Ken has personally closed over $50 million in his career as a solopreneur, all in professional services. I've learned a lot from Ken, and he's worked with some of the biggest names today. People like Matt Barker, Nasheen Chen, Laura Acosta, and Jake Ward trust Ken to get clearer offers and scale their business with systems. Now, Ken is running a two-day in-person summit on May 9th and 10th to help you build systems across marketing, sales, and client delivery. So now you too can grow without hiring. This will be a workshop setting. It's the anti-loud obnoxious conference with no more than 50 people who will go deep with Ken and other experts that he's brought in to solve actual problems in your business. Ken and his invited experts will show you their proven systems across personal branding, driving inbound leads, social selling, crafting scalable offers, using AI to automate client delivery, and more. Stop guessing and start learning from those who are three to five steps ahead of you. Get actionable tactics and proven systems to accelerate your pipeline, close more deals, and get out of client delivery hell. Head to trs.club summit to learn more and register for the Solopreneur Summit today. At that website, you'll see some of the other experts that are coming in that will allow you to go behind the scenes and look at their actual businesses, Again, that URL is trs.club slash summit. One last time, that's trs.club slash summit. Welcome back to my conversation with Can Opener of the Bad Bunnies NFT project. Before the break, Can Opener kind of blew my mind by sharing just how quickly he and the Bad Bunnies team took this project from idea to launch. And I figured there are a ton of steps involved to a successful launch. So I asked if they looked at other projects and sort of reverse engineered the process or if they've been given some sort of direct guidance from another team. It's reverse engineered. And then so that's when uh, B-Dub comes into it, who's my oldest friend from childhood. We met at um, preschool and have been uh, best mates ever since. The, you know, the next discussion was, hey, man, Poopley and I are doing this. Want to be involved? And luckily... While we were doing our art thing our whole lives, B-Dub was, you know, studying computer science at uni. And so when I said to him, do you want to do this? His, his mouth opened and didn't stop for about 10 minutes of just, okay, so what you need to do is a JSON file does this with the metadata. And if we do a Python script, it should be able to generate this and that. And I went, okay, well, great then. <laughs> Sounds like you're the man for the job. <laughs> like, and so two days later, he, he had... He had the spreadsheet up, he had a, a general script done and was clamoring for where are these assets that I can test. And at that point, we had probably 10 assets, like a, a leather jacket, a sailor singlet, uh, a greaser, greaser hair, and like a couple and a couple of faces. And he said, you know, get me some assets just so I can run some tests. And then the, the most amazing thing about this project, apart from the joy, the joy of seeing Poopley's art just come through each day. What do you think about this? And if, if we kind of got our 
text messages and WhatsApp and all of that. And all you would see is image, awesome, exclamation marks, image, awesome, like, it's just awesome, awesome, that's great, awesome, great. And, but the, the really interesting thing about the project was I actively try and not use Excel because it's just not like, you know, I just don't know how to do it. Anything. It's not fun. It's not fun. And well, it's fun to B-Dub, like he's this, you know, whatever. But he put the spreadsheet together with tiers, the tier one to eight that we have in the columns, all the names of all the assets in the left. And then it really was my job with his guidance to populate the position and rarity of the assets across the eight tiers in the spreadsheet. So you kind of see lower assets on the left, left column, all the asset names, lower, lower assets at the top, the higher, you know, toaster head and all that stuff down the bottom, the columns of the eight tiers going out left to right, and a cascading bunch of numbers to determine when a certain asset will generate and match with another asset. And in the beginning, uh, I just I was had no confidence that I was going to be able to assist B Dub in doing that. And once we got into it, it was just so essential. Down to the the day that we called art done, we believed that the gen the five thousand five hundred gen we'd done in the morning was it. But I knew something was wrong. It just wasn't the 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 progression of the assets wasn't there in terms of visually being able to immediately recognize what's what. And so Did we you have like a giant grid of all these that you're just looking at exactly. like a cascading view. So we had we had a big artboard with the actual assets divided into cohorts and then they need to be present then in that spreadsheet. And you know you go yeah technically it's all right and we may have just been able to tick the box Say that gen that was done at 10 a.m. on that day, and we're really, you know, they had to be done today. Like, if, if we're going to make this deadline, art is done today. So we went here yeah, 10 a.m. So I have to look through five and a half thousand images just to feel is this progression working? Is this correct? Can somebody, without looking at rarity tools or whatever, can they go, I get it, I get it, I get it? So it was a no. We kept going until 11 o'clock that night. At about 10.30, I said, can you just run it one more time? I'm going to make a couple of little changes, and I I think we'll get there. And he goes, okay, run it again. Comes through, and immediately, as you scroll through that 5,500, you go, that's the progression. That's the progression of a street-level bunny thug making his way up to the top of the ladder. Before we continue, we have some more lingo to go over. A few times now, CanOpener has used the term assets. Assets is a broad word used in a lot of different ways, but in this context with NFTs, he's talking about individual components of a design. If you look at the artwork for this episode, you'll see the Bad Bunny's avatar that CanOpener himself uses. The head of that avatar is a toaster. That's an asset. The toaster has stakes coming out of it. Those stakes are an asset. The body has tattooed shoulders. That's an asset. Any Bad Bunny's avatar can have a different head. If it is a toaster, it can have different things coming out of the toaster and it can have a different body type as well. The Bad Bunny's team released 5,500 total unique NFTs. The vast majority of those NFTs were created by a software script that takes the individual assets and joins them together on a bunny frame that CanOpener has mentioned a few times. It's what's called a generative art project, and it's actually very mathematical and programmatic. The artwork is generated by a script using the individual design assets and some programmatic constraints. Of course, you could manually create these pieces in a design software, but creating and exporting 5,500 unique pieces would be pretty time-consuming. Not to mention, a lot of projects actually create 10,000 pieces or more. Okay, let's get back to CanOpener and learn how they pulled this off. So in, in reverse engineering, you can say, look, a general 10,000 generative art project has this many assets per tier. And because we're doing 5,500, it's a pretty basic thing of saying, well, in this tier, we'll need 1,100. In this tier, we'll need 150. All of that is in, in the spreadsheet in determining how many NFTs can be 
produced from the assets. And like you said, yep, the assets can just be leather jacket, angry face, and greaser hair. And they have weightings as to how many can appear. They get locked off, particularly the top, like toaster head. They need to be rare. So they actually have a, in the spreadsheet, have a, a limit. Once, once the gen um, script hits that limit, it will remove that asset from production and not allow it to appear again. And then all you really end up with is, again, things like the sailor singlet, the leather jacket, based on their tier position appearing a lot. And then as we go up uh, the ladder, it's just decreasing uh, in volume. And, you know, it sounds really simple. It's not. But, but it's, it's, it should be simple to, to visually, visually grasp. And one of the earliest conversations Poopley and I had was there has to be the same visual progression. So if I have a singlet, and it sounds obvious at the time, it's just not obvious. And it's, obviously, it's, it's obvious that it's not obvious to a lot of other projects where you just kind of can't tell like the difference between certain tiers. So we Damn. had... We had big, big, long discussions about what assets can appear where and how many, and all of that then really kind of came into play and into the generative part of it. And then we saw the result and ticked it off and said, good, done, we're good. How many assets in total are we talking about here? Do you know off the top of your head? The good thing is going for 5,500 instead of 10,000. I think we're basically about 250 assets, which... Yeah, I don't know whether that sounds like a lot or a little. All I can say was a lot to design, particularly if you're going to the extent that we went to and also the potential risk of annoying your brother. Um, (laughs) Just in, you know, I'm overseeing everything. I'm, I'm the one in the NFT space. I'm the one who's filtering through this into the product that it is. And yeah, he's super open and, and whatever, but in any scenario when you're producing, you know, there's stress, there's, I like this, I thought I did a really good job here. And, and, you know, for me to say, well, there's not enough detail, you need to push that a bit more. Uh, every time I was like, is this, is this the point that he just, you know, throws up his hands and walks away? But no, we, we didn't even really get a crossword, really. I didn't think about the pure number of final pieces, like the yeah. supply. I, yeah. didn't, I didn't think about that being a constraint on just like this whole process in terms of like all the QA you're doing, essentially. Oh, just you, did, you would have to do twice as much of that to do 10,000. Oh. I hadn't thought about that difference. Oh, you know, I'm so we, we chose five and a half thousand because one, we wanted to be different. We also wanted to essentially immediately create a scarcity rather than the 10,000. And then as we saw how difficult it was to produce good assets, to, to really, for them all to fit together, because there's all of that too, that this one looks awesome, but it's jarring with this asset and we didn't even know it would. So redesign, you know, etc. cetera. But it, it's, you know, you could almost say that 50% of the project is QA. You know, QA from the art, static pieces, QA, all the way through to the, the final pieces. How did you think about pricing this in the mint? So look, this is interesting. And luckily with, with B-Dub and, and Poopley, you know, we'd known each other our whole lives. So, you know, tr- trust is there. Maybe, you know, it could be different for a team that's kind of come together. But other projects had done, like I think Oni had done stuff like 7,770 or something, and then 0.077 as the price. And so I just kind of went, well, look, if we're doing 5,500, a lot of people are doing 0.06 as their mint price. So let's do 5,500 at 0.055 Ethereum. And it was as, it was kind of as simple as that. It's like, okay, that's a good price. People are paying it. They should be happy to. Certainly ETH went up during while, while we we're doing it. And that has a weird space in, in the NFT space because the thing that was one ETH to buy that you wanted on OpenSea is still one ETH, and you know it's doubled yeah, the in money price. Money conversion is interesting. <laughs> it's like, like it, it can be the same price in terms of what you're paying in ETH, but that can have a very different impact on you USD or whatever your currency. Absolutely, is. Yeah, it's, a, it's a very interesting 
mental gymnastic. And also trying to go back and figure out what you paid on something because you go, oh, like two months ago, I paid like one eighth for that. And it's like, well, was that $2,000 or was it $3,000? Like, I, I can't even remember. Or was it almost four? <laughs> no, I know, exactly. And, and you're just like, you have no idea. Now, we launched and, you know, I mean, look, we're happy if anyone gets, you know, buys anything. And it was, it was slowish. And, you know, potentially that's, you know, 0.055 for those that bought, you know, maybe it's less impact on their wallet, be it physical or digital. And, you know, and everyone was happy. Oh, my God, look what I got and, and, and so on. But then we, we launched at 11 and went to bed at like five o'clock in the morning or something. And then the next day, yeah, it was kind of coming through, coming through. And I just kind of said, look, that's not fast enough. And just said to the team, look, we're going to cut the price in half. Uh, it'll be 0.0275. B-dub, what, what do we have to do with the contract and everything else in order for that to happen? And that was in the morning. And so he started prepping for the evening to, to make the price change, um, which is a whole massive thing in itself. Nothing is simple in this space. And we made the price change. We announced it. And don't quote me on the times, but I think we sold out by the next morning. Like it just, there's a huge buzz. And all different Discord channels of other projects were like, oh, yeah, you got to jump in. They just dropped the price. And then all the stuff on Twitter and everywhere else was, oh, my God, it's so much more affordable. This is fantastic. Oh, look what I got. Look what I got. Look what I got. I just got goosebumps then because it's seeing that change and then seeing the kind of community that's come out of it is, is amazing. Did you have any worry about the folks who had purchased at the first price? It, of course. So, so that was the discussion with BW. It wasn't, hey, we need to change the price and what technical things do you need to do? It was, hey, we have to, at a certain point today, stop minting, stop people being able to mint, take 200 bunnies off, free mint them into a test wallet because they're recompense to the 187 bunnies that are already sold. For, so the, the work was actually, how do we stop the mint, get the ones that we need so we can airdrop to those that are already bought at full price? That's wild. So you guys had sold about 200, yeah. cut the price in half, and then it sold through. I mean, I was, I was there watching. I was yeah, there yeah, yeah, yeah. And it sold through like that, the yeah. rest. So that was the thing. Wild. Like It was like, drop the price, and it's going to go. Where and how do we get the 200 recompense for the, the 055 gang that, that we called them? But then it's, it's, it's within that. It's then getting it out to them, getting it out to them fast, Etc. Like how you do all that. Also with gas prices, because it you know, it costs it costs us gas, you know, transaction fees to send out every every single bunny of that two hundred. So we we had to take that out of that. You know, so we sold fifty three hundred. Didn't sell the other. Well, you know, we did more or less. So it's it's that was all of the complication. Is how are we going to make this right for everyone? Um, and how are we going to do it in a time that is acceptable to everyone as well? When we come back, Can Opener and I talk about the process of purchasing an NFT and how the Bad Bunnies team went from a seemingly slow launch to selling out in the blink of an eye, right after this. You may or may not know that I have a bit of a domain buying obsession. Whether it's a new project idea or domains related to my existing projects, I'm buying them all. I have creatorscience.tv, creatorscience.fm. So let me tell you about my newest purchase. It's jklaus.bio. Connection with your audience is everything. We make all this content and then we want to direct our audience somewhere. Well, a great new option is with a .bio domain. Instead of some long link tree or third-party URL that people can't understand and it's hard to say out loud, using your .bio domain for your link in bio lets you manage all your links in one spot with a custom domain that tells people exactly who you are. It's short, it's memorable, it's professional. Your .bio domain name is your way to share yourself with the world. And right now, you can get your own .bio domain name for less than $3 at Porkbun. Yes, that's a real website and a real registrar. Just visit porkbun.com creator. That's P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot slash creator. If you know me, you know how much I believe in memberships. 
My membership is the core of my business and earning an income directly from your audience is one of the most sustainable ways for you to become a professional creator too. So I wanna tell you about today's sponsor, Uscreen. Uscreen is a beautiful all-in-one platform that helps content creators earn a living from their videos by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. You can host private live streams for your members, build an on-demand catalog of premium content, and Uscreen gives you a community hub to interact with your members too. They can access your community from their mobile phone, so your membership is right there in their pocket. With a Uscreen account, you get video hosting, an out-of-the-box website, full payment and subscription management, and plenty of third-party integrations too. And Uscreen makes it easy to get set up. You get access to powerful website themes that are fully brandable with no coding skills required. Uscreen will even provide a dedicated success manager for you. Just about anyone that wants to make money from their content can do it with Uscreen. It's perfect for coaches, authors, influencers, and entrepreneurs in just about any niche. Right now, Uscreen is used by creators in fitness, education, news, kids entertainment, and more. That includes Yoga with Adrian and Creator Now, just to name a couple. Uscreen is the platform for building a video membership site that is great for generating a sustainable income for professional creators. If you create video content for your audience, I highly recommend checking it out. If you're interested in learning more about Uscreen, visit uscreen.link slash J. That's U-S-C-R-E-E-N dot link slash J and let them know that I sent you. Let me tell you about one of my favorite podcasts that I've been listening to for years. It's called The $100 MBA Show. And wherever you are on your business journey, The $100 MBA Show has lessons that can help you take the next step forward. The $100 MBA Show is a best of Apple Podcasts winner literally one of the top Apple podcasts of all time. And it's hosted by my friend and former guest, Omar Zenholm. Omar is a business school dropout turned successful entrepreneur, and he shares real world lessons on starting, growing, and scaling your business. You may even know his software product, Webinar Ninja. What I love about the $100 MBA show is that these are well-produced, bite-sized episodes on everything from creating a product, connecting with your market, sales, building a team, and more. This show is legit. It does over 2 million downloads every month. Whether you're a small-time solopreneur or scaling your startup to investor level, there's valuable real-world advice for you in the $100 MBA's archive of thousands of episodes with new episodes three days a week. If that sounds interesting to you, and it should, just search for $100 MBA show wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, welcome back. When you want to buy an NFT, you can either buy it directly from the creator, usually on their website, or you can buy it from another owner on a secondary market like OpenSea. When you are the person who first purchases an NFT from the creator, it's called minting. When you mint an NFT, you get assigned ownership over a specific numbered piece of art governed by the blockchain, in this case, Ethereum. I own Bad Bunny number 1776 of 5,500, and that ownership is verified on the Ethereum blockchain. But there are costs involved with processing that transaction, literally energy expended to process that transaction or electricity. The object has to literally move from the creator or another person's digital wallet to your wallet, and that transaction must be verified and logged on the blockchain. That takes energy. We're getting close to my own limits of cryptography here, but we'll go deeper on a future episode. The digital wallet used to mint or transfer an NFT is most often MetaMask. When you have some Ethereum in your MetaMask wallet, you can initiate transactions, minting, buying, or selling. And the transaction fees are actually called gas in this context. So when you hear people talking about gas prices in crypto, they mean the cost of transacting on the Ethereum blockchain. It's funny these days when you kind of say, if we're lucky, Twenty to thirty dollars in gas, you you kind of like you know that's become good these days. So let's say that I'm about to mint on the Bad Bunny's website at launch. Uh, I click the mint button. The MetaMask Chrome extension opens up. It shows how much ETH I've got. It asks me to sign in. Hit sign. It then shows the cost of the bunny in this case. Uh, be big numbers zero point zero two seven five. And then the gas, the gas fee, which is, is to essentially log the transaction and ownership on the Ethereum blockchain. And so if everything's busy, uh, you know, it can be terrible, uh, you know, 80 bucks just to process the transaction. And then, you know, sometimes the transaction doesn't even go through. Like we're in very early days here. Not that our grandchildren will be interested to hear it, 
because they'll be, you know, what are you talking about, Grandpa? But saying that thing of like, in my day, we used to pay $80 gas <laughs> and the transaction wouldn't even go through. Everyone in this space now has that kind of sense of at some point in the future, all of this stuff will become ridiculous to a degree. Uh, but at the, at, the, at the moment, it's the price of doing business. So we were really lucky. It was a low gas, low gas night slash day, couple of days. It, it just, I've, I've wanted to get into on projects that are just overhyped. And so everything, you know, everyone swarmed. And so the network says, well, if you want me to process this transaction, then um, you're really going to have to pay triple for me to do it. And that really comes to a really important point here about hype versus no hype. It's it was a big thing to us, and and if you want a defin, do you want a definition of hype? I do want a definition of hype. So definition of hype is what's happened at the moment is that because of projects like Cool Cats and everyone wanting to get into this space, you can preload the outcome to a degree. You can use influencers and celebrities and and whatever, and, and hey, all power too. Like it's you know if I had a large Twitter following prior to starting instead of not having Twitter because <laughs> I didn't have Twitter. Like I, I just, it's not, it's, it's difficult for me. I, I just, you know, it kind of makes me anxious. So if I had a huge following, then yes, it would be easier. And it's, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a diss to anyone. It's just that the norm these days is 20,000 people in your discord channel for your project 10,000 or whatever on Twitter before you start and before you release. And we made a distinction at the beginning, one, because we're in the digital space for, for other work that we do, user experience, product design. I just kind of like look at the user experience of let's flood the launch of our project with 20,000 people as a terrible user experience. Match that with the fact that we couldn't actually do it anyway. So like, that's what those people can say to us. You couldn't do it anyway. And I go, you're right. I can't do it. I, I don't know 20,000 people. I'm glad you're talking about hype. And I want to return there in a second. Actually, Pac put up his Discord today and I have a Lost Poets page. Oh, yeah. And I tried yeah. to get in there. And I like got froze out of Discord for hours just trying to join. It just broke Discord. Then it broke Collab Land. Like it was a nightmare. Yeah. It's a horrible user yeah. experience. Yeah. And I, I'd been on in on a couple that I was like, I really like this project and I want to get in. And it just, you know, an utter nightmare, really, like just insanity. Again, a, a kind of thing that you tell your grand, grandchildren who'd go, that's insane. Um, and it's, it's kind of weird that people put up with it. And I, I want to say one more thing about the gas and the transaction yep. fee. It's not as if there's just like some guy waving his arm and saying like, oh, because there's demand, you have to pay me this. This, this is all, it's decentralized. It's all algorithmic, right? So it's, so your, your BW is your, your primary contact on this. So I'll just say what I know that the, the, the miners are, are people that actually have to process the transaction. So they're obviously, you know, well into the Ethereum blockchain, you know, this is their thing. They process the transaction and log it on the blockchain. And so when there's a lot, if you want to get to the top of their queue, there being a innumerable amount of people, miners out there doing this, if you want to get to the top, you need to increase your gas. So you can even hit, okay, you know, purchase on, on, on MetaMask and you've set the gas and it just not go through because it just wasn't high enough. And if you really wanted to go through, you got to hit edit gas price, up it comes, you up it again. And then also sometimes that doesn't even mean it goes through. Sometimes it says failed. And, and a great way to explain it is you and I are going for the same, we hit mint at the same time. So up comes for both of us, a MetaMask window each, and we hit, there's gas price there, and you hit, you know, buy or process or confirm or whatever it is. And I go, no, it's busy at the moment. Edit gas price, make it higher. I make it about 20 bucks higher than you. 
I hit the button, mine goes through before yours does, if yours goes through at all. It's like a programmatic silent auction in a way. It's, it's just, it's, um, look, it's, it's the name of the game, price of doing business and all of that. But yeah, it's this weird kind of netherworld, particularly when it goes up. You're like, why is, you know, gas was like 200 bucks last month or something. It's like people just weren't minting anything because why, you know? What about, I, I want to stick real quick to the expenses to the creator side. Let's assume that labor isn't a problem. Like I have a team that's yep. really talented. We can do this. Yep. What other expenses should I be aware of as I'm about to publish an NFT project? This is the fantastic thing about this space because I've been involved in startups as is B-Dub and uh, Purpley's been involved alongside me doing, doing other things. Night and day. If you've got a startup, you know, you know your burn rate, right? Like it's regardless of, again, take wages out of the equation. Just, just say your team's happy to work for free in a startup until something happens. You know, AWS and everything else in between. It's, it's all going out the door every month and that money needs to be there. Also getting eyes on Facebook advertising, all of that, incredibly expensive. Just managing it's expensive. Paying the ads is expensive. That all has to be part of your burn rate, et cetera, et cetera. We had a chat the other day, particularly post-minting. Everything's on OpenSea. OpenSea.io is the secondary market. Oh, I'm not paying AWS for that. Oh, I don't have to have a developer that when a bug comes up, can you get on this because people are trying to buy our stuff and they can't because the transaction's failing, <laughs> whatever. I'm not responsible for gas. I'm not responsible for, all I'm responsible for is the continued validation of the project as a worthwhile investment. And, you know, and that's freeing. It's really, really, it's an amazing space to be in. Is there a fee to push the project up to OpenSea? No, <laughs> like it's well. just basically, you know, it's also the website, right? Once the website's minted, it's pretty much dead. Like apart from, you know, we'll put some other stuff up there. They'll, we, we've got plans for physical cards for the, for the card game. You'll get it through the website, but that's when the website will become active again. But for us right now, you don't need to go to the website at all. It's, it's all open sea. So the website, once minting is done and you've sold out, website is a, a, like an anachronism. It's, it's just kind of like, okay, that's done. It's minted. It's, it's over. It's now Discord, Twitter, and OpenSea. Yeah, and that's what's so fascinating to me about the space because I would fancy myself a community building type of guy. Yeah. Uh, have been for years. But I haven't spent a whole lot of time in discords. Yeah. And as I'm getting into this space and the discords here, I'm looking at it and I'm like, how much this project is really creating great art, which is like yep. requisite. If you want this to be longstanding, yep. it's of course a huge part of it. But it seems like the biggest lift is actually generating and cultivating a community long term. What do you think about that? Yeah, it is. It's really interesting because I hadn't been on Discord uh, really before NFTs. And then so uh, like with Liverboy, smaller community because it is one 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 pieces and a couple other projects. And then as I progressed a bit, like the Vogue Collective and what it, which is a lot more people, you start to go, okay, I get it. Okay, this is interesting. Ghosts is super interesting. Uh, the artist Gang Yang. And his, you know, his one one pieces, you know, one sold for $2 million a, a few weeks ago. I've got a couple, not ghosts, but, you know, in, in his collection. You know, they're really, that's where everything happens. It's, it's if, to your audience, if you want to get into NFTs, it's probably less jumping on OpenSea and browsing pieces of art. It's probably more get the invite to the Discord, which is mostly on everyone's Twitter account or whatever. And, you know, if you want, go to Cool Cats, go and have a look at their Discord because it's a, it's a masterclass in how to do it. Even, you know, uh, Ghosts and uh, Ghosts, G-H-X-S-T-S. -S, there's no O, it's replaced by an X. Just go in and go have a look and say hello. Um, and, and you can start there. And you'll start to see, like, okay, this is how people approach this art and, and this is what community is. Before we run out of time, I would love to go kind of like step by step. I'm listening to this and I'm like, this sounds awesome. I want to get into it. Yep. I think I want to architect my own NFT project. 
what are like the core steps to go from that realization to having a project mintable? If you're an artist yourself, you can produce work and just go straight to OpenSea and basically mint it there. You, you click create, add the image, description, et cetera, et cetera, and put it up there. Now, does anyone see it? Who knows? If, if you're really good, maybe they do. Even with that, let's just go with the kind of non-generative because that's a whole nother thing. Uh, even with that, you know, you'll want to start a Discord to say, this is me, this is this, here's where we'll chat about, here's upcoming, upcoming stuff. Then, obviously, Twitter, just because you have to, it's the, it's the way to call it out. And it's, it's that kind of three-pronged scenario. Your art is somewhere, so simple version, 1-1, one, one, chuck it on OpenSea. Your community is somewhere, Discord. You, you Hopefully, people are coming in, you're building it, and you're creating a reason for them to return. And then Twitter, you're able to say, this is what's happening. Go to my Discord. Here's a reason to go to my Discord. Here's a reason to go to my OpenSea. Etc. And, you know, uh, I mean, look, going back to the hype type thing before, we didn't have any of anything, no Discord, no one in there, no Twitter, and so on. And we made a conscious decision to say the art will bring people in and we will dismiss naysayers, we will dismiss worry and doubt, and we'll say that the art will bring people in and we will be present on Discord, be present on Twitter say what we need to say, do what we need to do uh, with the belief that it will happen. Um, and it did, surprise, surprise. I've heard some people talk about that, that process you just laid out is very manageable and inviting, and it makes me want to do it like now. Mm. I've heard some people talk about if you do that just straight to OpenSea, OpenSea technically owns the contract, which has some drawbacks. What do you know about that or what should we know about that? So yeah, so look, all I really know about that because we didn't, you know, we didn't do that. All I really know about that is that, so you're right in saying that and there's, when you kind of look at the details of what you bought, it just looks a bit different because yeah, the contract is, is with OpenSea. And the first time I saw it, I was concerned that the thing that I bought wasn't mine or the like, but it's, it's not really a concern. It's just a different um, it's just a different approach, different structure. So I certainly wouldn't discourage anyone from doing that because I know a bunch of projects that, that basically mint through OpenSea and, and that's the contract and, and that's fine. Um, and often they're simpler, so they don't need the extent to which, you know, all of the, the um, uh, interconnected aspect of our metadata and assets and all that stuff. Is there anything else that you think went right that we can learn from based on your launch? Because like we said, it, it, it happens so fast. And all of a sudden, all the discords I was in were talking about Bad Bunnies. And it's like, these guys hit something. So looking back at it, what do you think it was? Yeah, I mean, look, to, to, to say to everyone what that actually means is that prior to launch, we had 200, no, we had 185 people in Discord. So at 11 o'clock when we launched, the mint address that we put into Discord uh, had a theoretically 185 eyes on it. I mean, that doesn't even mean that everyone was there or even paying attention or anything. So that's absolutely unheard of. Just is not uh, the way it the way it goes. But what happened is people started to mint and then show what they got, and other people went, "That's awesome! I love it! I want one!" And so I'm present on a couple other Discords. And some people from those ones came over, bought it, went back to the other Discord they're on and said, look what I just got. And then they came over and that's how it happened. So all, all I would say to that is we put a hell of a lot of blood, sweat and tears into the art and making sure that the integrity of it is undeniable, the strength of it is undeniable, and that's what did it. So, you know, make that your starting point. This is art. And, and one of the things I said at the start was the art has to carry it. If it doesn't, I don't actually want to be involved. What would be the point? Like if you're interested in art, what's the point of false art? Art's about truth. So that's, that's where we started. Do something that you want to actually do and make it beautiful and let the rest carry you through. 
This was a really fun and kind of challenging episode to put together. Having dipped my toes into the NFT world over the last couple of months, Bad Bunnies is one of my favorite projects and it was awesome to chat with CanOpener shortly after their launch. I'm really, really excited about this space. Sure, I think a lot of the trading is a speculative bubble and a ton of projects are actually probably gonna go to zero, but the fundamentals here are really interesting. The ways I'm seeing creators build community around these projects are fascinating and the built-in ability to continue to earn royalties on the secondary sales of your work is something artists have not really had before. If you're interested in seeing my slowly growing NFT collection, you can check it out at opensea.io slash jklaus. The link is in the show notes. And if you want to learn more about Bad Bunnies, you can visit badbunniesnft.com where you'll find their Discord, Twitter, and OpenSea. Links to all that are in the show notes. And if you do want to get your own Bad Bunny, you can go to their OpenSea profile, join the gang, tweet at me, show me what Bad Bunny you got. But again, not investment advice, make your own decisions. If you do go that route, I'd love to see what you get. Thanks to CanOpener for being on the show. Thank you to Emily Klaus for making the artwork for the episode and Nathan Todhunter for mixing the show. They did a tight turnaround here, which I really appreciate. And thanks to Brian Skeel for creating our music. If you like this episode, you can tweet at jklaus and let me know. I'd love to hear from you. And if you really want to say thank you, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening, and I'll talk to you next week. Universe.